1: Welcome, everybody. Two guys at a Mikey indeed. Talkzone.com. Thank you so much for joining us here in an absolutely gorgeous, I mean unbelievable, mid-October, maybe even late October Thursday here in the fine city of Chicago, the big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. We do it one hour a day, five days a week. That would make five in total. Dog and the coach, David Olson, producer extraordinaire on the other side of the glass. We'll play a little bit of our lead-in music and then get this particular sports show off and running world series game 2 tonight you very much again producer extraordinaire david olson on the other side of the glass coach of the big dog with you up until 11 o'clock world series game two tonight we got football friday tomorrow but we'll definitely do some sneaking and peeking at some of the football matchups coming up this week at oklahoma hosting the notre Dame fighting irish that is your main entree That is the meat, if not the potatoes of a big uh, football weekend should be outstanding. Couple of big, big 10 games as well. We got political notes going on. We got all kinds of stuff, David. Oh, we got Donald Trump, Gloria Allred, the Indiana Senator to be, I believe, what's his last name? McCracken? I actually heard him recently. The one, the one who came out with the uh, controversial statement about not ending the pregnancy, even though it was, was raped that, you know, uh, Murdoch, life begins. Murdoch. Murdoch. the guy's
0: name? Murdoch.
1: Murdoch, not McCracken. Murdoch. Never confuse a McCracken with a Murdoch. That can be very dangerous to your health. So we got all kinds of stuff going on. We even have, uh, and I guess the story's been out for a while, but it just kind of hit the publicity bump because it appears over, but a 20 year old, fairly attractive young lady from Britain who basically auctioned off her virginity. I think I got that story right. $780,000. Not too bad. So we got all kinds of things to deal with here on this beautiful Thursday. The first thing we have to deal with is my co-host, a man who sometimes can be a little bit hard to deal with, quite frankly, but he's our friend. At least that's what it says on the sheet of paper here. He is the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Big dog, how are you?
0: Uh, I'm doing pretty well here, Coach. It's it's (laughs) absolutely just a phenomenal, gorgeous day here in the city of Chicago. And I'm going to take advantage of it. My season is done. I only have to work like one or two more days because of we have. I have to hand out drink tickets to people on, on Monday. But I am taking advantage of that. Like, you know how everybody else, oh, I finally get to sleep in. You know what I did? I was like, hey, I don't have to work today. I'm getting up bright and early. It was a beautiful morning today. I skipped up and down my the streets in Chinatown. I, uh, I walked my dog, QQ. Did you, put my put your,
1: neighbor, you put your clothes on first, I hope.
0: I, I I like to make people jealous, and okay. uh, so, no, and uh, it's, and I had a run with the dog because the dog was delicious in the neighborhood. So uh, now <laughs> I'm already at East Bank Club. Just had a conversation with a guy that owns, like, 50 buildings downtown, and he was telling me all these stories about uh, how bad the athletes used to be in the city of Chicago. Oh, my goodness, so I have a Dennis Eckersley story, but I guess it would be hearsay, so I don't think I can tell it on the air. But oh, uh, We, yeah, we yeah, love so hearsay. Or It's it's 10 o'clock in the morning, and I've done more today than I normally would in a typical day. It's been beautiful so far. God
1: God bless you, Big Doug. God bless you. And again, for people listening outside the Chicago area, and I remind you, Big Doug, our show is being uh, cast out into Internetsville, if you will, to seven people are listening to your voice right now in seven different continents. It's hard to believe. And we are very big in Guam and also Mazistan, I think, but... uh, so let me just paint the picture here in Chicago. We have like a record warm day. It's unbelievable. The leaves are in full bloom, if you will. Yeah. Uh You know, light breeze. It is like midsummer day out here. But what they're telling us is by 7 o'clock tonight, it's going to start dropping. Tomorrow will be 39 degrees windy, slightly rainy. It's going to be that way for a week. And then we know that winter is on set. So basically, this is our last hurrah, Big Doug.
0: Yeah, and and just to let you know, I, I took advantage of it. Yeah, I, I, I went out. I skipped through the streets of Chinatown. I'm yep. out smelling the flowers. I, I'm out in the on the beautiful Riverwalk. That is the city of Chicago, which most people don't even yep. know exists here. We had a few so, texters
1: that actually saw you in Chinatown, and they uh, texted in and say, "Tell Big Dog, next time he goes out for an early morning skip in his pajamas, uh, to wear briefs, not boxers underneath." Not sure what that means, but. Got a couple of those texts.
0: Big flop, Coach.
1: Apparently the, the tighter fit might be a better look for the early morning jog, Big Dog, if you know what I mean.
0: Whatever it takes, Coach.
1: <laughs> well, that's exactly, I think, what the texters are referring to. But, Big Dog, people out there that are you know going to the office today or going about their routine, this is a day, and bosses should be the first. You shouldn't have to go to the boss. The boss should be telling people this. But this is the day you must break routine. We really should do it many more days in our lives, quite frankly. But this is a day in particular. You got to break from routine. You got to get outside. You got to play hooky. Do something crazy. If you're in the city of Chicago right now, you know, get out of that nine to five mentality and do something wild and crazy. Whatever you're doing, do it outside.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, Coach. I, like I've always been that way. I know you can smell. You can smell fall coming, Coach, and it's going to come <laughs> with a thunder. And trust me, everybody loves fall. Oh, the change of the colors. Of the, it's beautiful. I can layer a little bit. And next thing you know, you know what comes right after fall, and that's the worst, most dark, dismal time about yeah. that month and a half to two and a half months uh, where if it reaches 40 degrees, you think it's the nicest day in the freaking world. So you got to appreciate days that you get in the seventy and yep. eighty degrees like yesterday so yeah. it was pretty
1: cool. And today is unique because apparently in about you know 7 hours it's going to hit. So it's like you know it's like it's like we've been locked up in prison and we get one day you know it's like our one hour out in the prison yard before going back to 23 hours of dark if I could use that somewhat weird analogy but uh it's unbelievable. Got to get out there the, the clock is ticking I can feel it.
0: Yeah, and I I really can't understand it because as I'm on the Riverwalk right now fighting this massive, massive wind, hopefully it's not playing on air, but uh, it's the wind's coming out of the south, so I don't know why it's going to drop down uh, into the 30s by 7 o'clock tonight, Coach.
1: Yeah, that's the report, and who are we to question the weathermen that are uh, wrong, I think, 47% of the time, if I could borrow that percentage from uh, Mr. Matthew Romney.
0: as somebody who... uh, uh, Sits in front of a computer and tries to figure out the uh, schedule to determine whether or not that we're going to work or not work that yep. day for yep. hundreds of different people. Break really out of the fun. routine. But I got to tell you, the weathermen are absolutely incredible. They're usually right on, but I swear what I don't understand is this when they say there's 0% chance of rain, mm-hmm. or if they say there's 100% chance of rain, they need to get those right, okay? Don't give me 0% chance of rain and then have it rain two hours later. That makes me mad. You give me at least a 1% chance I will. now you've completely lied to me.
1: I will pass that message along to Andy Avalos, and our research does show that uh, there's more than a few weathermen that listen to our particular show, Big dose. So your message might have gone out directly to some of uh, Chicago, if not the country's finest.
0: Well, I know Ginger Z listens, but that's for a totally different reasons. Yeah. Who? Ginger Z. Who's Ginger V? I didn't say Ginger V.
1: <laughs> All right. Now that I'm thoroughly confused, I have to go back to Ginger a moment.
0: Ginger V. She's a weather girl here in the city of Chicago. You brought up Andy Avalos. All right. I short she, short, she, she,
1: no, she hasn't been here in the city for eighteen months.
0: She, she moved on to bigger and better things. She's on the uh, yeah. on Good Morning America now.
1: Ginger V. Good
0: Morning America. So. That, that pretty much, I guess. Some, that's why I missed it. I don't. Right. I try not to watch anything that has anything to do with NBC, except for Sunday Night Football. I'm so sick da, of that da, da, channel da. and that
1: whole company. All right, and I got to go back, though, Big Dog. Earlier on, both me and David Olson gave a quizzical look. You had mentioned starting next week, you will be selling drink tickets on Monday. Explaining No, no, port- not
0: selling drink tickets. We just said I have to go to work on Monday because we sold a promotion that oh. you go out kayaking and then you get drinks afterward. Ah. And so these these people are so freaking cheap. They're calling up, being like, "I didn't get my drinks." So like, Whoa. so I have to just go in to I have to go into work for like a half hour just to hand these people their two free drinks that they're going to uh, get. Oh, because... I thought it
1: was like a promotion, maybe you know, meet meet your kayak tour leader at one of your local bars, and the big dog would be meeting and greeting and rubbing elbows and other body parts with some of your uh, past customers.
0: I got it though. The only other body parts I'm going to be rubbing on anybody is going to be Lily Wu.
1: Take it easy. Take it easy. Lily the Lilac.
0: Yeah. Lily Lily who? Yeah, Lily who. That's what I called her today because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't recognize her. She looks so good.
1: Her last name is Wu?
0: No, it's Lilac.
1: So she could go from two-letter last name to like an 18-letter last name, from Wu to Radwanski. Interesting. Uh, She's picking up about seven vowels if, if you ever do end up getting married. My college roommate had the last name, uh, Snodgrass. So I told him, uh, the, you know, the best thing about having a name like that is whatever woman ends up marrying you, you know, it's for true love. Cause nobody's gonna pick up the last name Snodgrass unless you really, really love the person.
0: You know, are they still married?
1: Oh, yeah. Twenty, twenty, oh, uh, three years and going strong. Thank you very
0: much. That's really good, coach. Yeah,
1: occasionally, they're a Peoria, but uh, occasional listener of the program. Big dog, big fan of yours, by the way. Doesn't like well, any, me, but enjoys your work.
0: Now, is there any uh, related to Pete Snodgrass, former pitcher in the major leagues? I do not believe so. How could you? Uh, he's not of the Massachusetts Snodgrass.
1: Man, it's hard to. You got to believe that every Snodgrass is somehow related,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, seriously, yeah. I mean. It's, i mean like cone yeah i can understand that you don't know all the you don't know all the cones in the world yeah. I mean, that's, if we have any like, snodgrasses
1: wow. any snodgrasses out there listening to the program call in we'd love to uh, discuss for about 42 seconds the family tree our phone number by the way we haven't put it out there yet i don't know why we would as we kind of venture all over the place early in the show here but uh, 888-463-6748 david do we have a special line for snodgrasses to call into that would be line 22. A <laughs> yeah, smartass. 888-463-6748. Phone lines are open throughout the show. It's an unbelievable day. So, Big Doe, you are walking along the riverfront as we're doing the show?
0: Yeah, I'm on the, the, the riverwalk on the north branch of the, of the river, which is one of the most beautiful areas in the city of Chicago. Unknown. Very few people know about this hidden gem that we have here.
1: You know, if you were to threaten to jump in like in about a half an hour, It'd be a rough go for you, but it'd be a very good ratings thing for us. I'm just throwing it out there.
0: The only problem is I'd have to go where there's no camera so they don't see me jumping at it. I'd have to act like I fell in in order for it to to work out, and I don't think that's good for the company. You know, kayak tour (laughs) guide saved from Chicago River. I don't think uh, Charlie would be too happy about that.
1: I'm just trying to think of ratings for the show. We're trying to get a little boost here, I thought. You jumping into the river with a half an hour's uh, notice, a couple of policemen out there, a hostage, uh, you know, psychologist guy trying to talk you out of it. I think it could be good for ratings. I'm just throwing it out there as a possibility.
0: Hostage, did you say?
1: Well, not a hostage. A uh, suicide counselor, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Things are pretty good. This is Anna's coach. Huh? Uh, I'm being honest here. If anybody ever said Radwanski killed himself, unless at the time I'm like a paraplegic don't
1: because believe it. somebody
0: hit me, somebody hit me on on my bike and decided to keep going. You know, other than that, it's a lie. I did not kill myself, so I All don't right. think we have to worry about that.
1: Hold on, I'm writing this down for a note for future. If Rodwanski ever dies, do not believe suicide rumors. Is that what you're telling
0: me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, <laughs> <I> have it investigated. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, write that in your will, just in case I forget. My handwriting's not good. I might I might not be able to read what I wrote.
0: <laughs> all right.
1: Okay. Uh, all right, let's get to some World Series baseball here again. Phone lines open, folks. 888-463-6748. The Giants continue red hot, Big Dog. Unbelievable. They knock out Justin Verlander in four innings. And Pablo. Pablo, what's his nickname? The Kung Fu Panda? Yeah,
0: Kung Fu Panda.
1: Three consecutive... Home runs, unbelievable. I didn't see the game, Big Dog. I don't particularly watch games one, two, three, or four, but uh, unbelievable performance by Kung Fu Panda.
0: Yeah, the guy that is disappointed that the World Series is not uh, taken with the same amount of prestige as it was when he was younger doesn't watch the first couple games of the World Series. I I always find that amusing. I'm sorry. What Uh, can I tell you? uh, Coach, Justin Verlander, first two. uh, It's it's funny. I uh, I get Lily the Lilac to watch the game with me last night. We sit down, and I'm explaining how dominant Justin Verlander is. He's the best pitcher in the game, blah, blah, blah. First two batters, I look like I'm a genius because the strike zone's the size of a teacup, and he's still peppering it. Okay, and then all of a sudden, he gets Kung Fu Panda 0-2. He throws a pitch in his eyes at 95 miles an hour, and Kung Fu Panda turns it around for a home run. And my girlfriend's like, Well, if he's so good? Why'd that guy hit a home run off of him? <laughs> uh uh. And then a couple of innings later, if he's so good, why did that guy hit a second home run off of him? And in the fourth inning, if he's so good, why did that guy hit three home runs off of him? I can't explain these things in the world, but yeah, Kung Fu Panda hits three home runs in the first four innings of the game, coach. That's That's... That'll get it done for you. That 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 normally will win baseball games when you have six runs by the by the, in the middle of the fourth inning. That's awfully good, coach.
1: I would say he's the early leader in the clubhouse. Here's my brilliant statement of the week: early leader in the clubhouse for the MVP voting after game one. Um, yeah. You know, I was yeah. shocked to hear, big dog. I really shocked to hear. I think I read this correct that Pablo Sandoval, all season long, the big fella had only twelve homers
0: this year. Only only twelve home runs. Wow. Has never had a has never had a three homer game in his life, and uh, yeah, I mean that, that doesn't shock me. That guy, he's going to hit 15 home runs every year. You know what I mean? He'll hit either two if he weighs if he weighs 350, he hits 260. When he weighs 260, he hits 350. Okay, that's basically Kung Fu Panda. So, uh, but he's never going to hit a lot of home runs. And uh, I really I, I was shocked, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> he. T- to turn around a Justin Verlander fastball that is in your eyes is almost impossible. Just to let you know, this year there were 192 home runs hit in the major leagues on 0-2 pitches. Okay? That was the first time Justin Verlander gave one up all entire season. Wow.
1: wow. Not not particularly good timing. David or Joel, do we know the uh, between Prince Fielder and Pablo Sandoval, who has the higher GMI? What's GMI? GMI. Gluteus mass index? Oh. That,
0: that, I don't have to go. It's got to <laughs> be. It's got to be Prince Fielder because he's a vegetarian, a vegetarian, and that makes you that makes you fat and puffy. So I'm definitely going with it's Prince close. Fielder.
1: Because Pablo, uh, I remember going to a Cubs game when they played the Giants, and we were on the third base side, pretty good seats. So I got up close and personal with the, uh, the GMI of a Pablo Sandoval. That's a solid base, big dog.
0: Just to let you, I don't know, when did you go to those games? Because Sandoval has been on the weight loss program like, since the end of last season. He's okay. a lot smaller now ah, than he was a year ago at this time.
1: This was a couple of years ago. All right, so I, I'm i not aware of that.
0: Yeah, two years ago in 2010, he or 2009, he literally hit he like 335, 19 homers, had an unreal season, then they win the World Series, and the year he won the World Series. He was too fat to get out of the batter's box, Coach. They would pitch one backup catchers for him. Uh-huh. I mean, that's how slow and fat he was. <laughs> I'm not making fun of the it. truth. The guy's a professional athlete, and he was eating his way out of baseball. You know, so and he finally decided, you know what, I'm a much better baseball player when I'm not fat. Oh, by the way, it's the contract here for Pablo Sandoval.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 12 nice? or so maybe, maybe he needs to put out a little weight with him. The... A guy like that should be hitting more than 1,200. What a phenomenal... Uh,
0: I don't know. He's got a line drive swing coach. Don't try to change somebody. The guy is a 15-home run hitter, okay? And he hits line drives everywhere. And he also plays in AT&T Park where nobody hits home Mm runs. Don't forget, the Giants were last in baseball this season for home runs. So, Good point. What are you going to do, Matt? What are you going to have them hit? uh, 400-foot fly balls that are out in AT&T Park? Good point. Or do you want to hit them 250-foot line drives that... He actually has to break a sweat run in the first base.
1: our baseball expert Joel Radwanski, bringing it to you watch the entire game one start to finish true professional outstanding anybody that no, wants I to didn't pick...
0: watch the end of it I couldn't watch the end I had some stuff that I was figuring if I'm gonna watch don't. all seven games I had to know when uh, to ease up on the I, well, I don't even have a, a television it's, it, never mind don't I ruin don't a good
1: coach. don't ruin a good intro big dog I was on a roll here uh, okay. but if you'd like to talk to our baseball expert, pick his brain. Feel free to do so. There's a lot of picking to be done. 888-463-6748. The phone number. Giants go up one nothing. By the way, we should mention before we talk about who's pitching in game two tonight, which I also probably won't be watching, but, um, the three homer game in the World Series, only three people in the history have done it. Three pretty big names. Big Doug, you might be familiar with a gentleman named Babe Ruth. Albert Pujols and Mr. October Reggie Jackson—that's pretty good company.
0: Yeah, that, I was going to give me the question. That—that's that's one of the easier questions of all time, though. So that. Yeah. Oh, and a, by the way, Babe Babe did it twice. To, yeah, to add a Kung Fu Panda, Panda to that would have—that's kind of a strange. But if you look at all those guys, they're all massive personalities. I mean, Reggie Jackson and Babe Ruth are about as as big of a personality as you can get, and I swear to you, Kung Fu Panda. Was playing in in uh, New York instead of San Francisco. Everybody would know this guy. He's freaking funny. He's like he's a good guy. I mean, how many times you see two hundred and ninety pound guys with blonde hair that are from you know, Cherriscow uh, uh, <laughs> or, or wherever the heck he's from? So uh-huh. pretty funny. All
1: right. Well, we'll see. San Francisco obviously on a roll, red hot. I guess if you want to throw a little cold water onto it, Big Dub, maybe you know they're so hot. They're on such a momentum ride that, you know, let's just say even they win tonight. Assuming it doesn't get to 3-0, because that might be too deep, but maybe when the momentum is killed, when the Tigers do knock them off, sometimes you're so high that maybe the Giants will come crashing once this incredible high is broken, if I could bring that theory into it.
0: I guess there's a there's a, there's a a possibility that could happen, but I don't, I don't see the Giants crashing at all. I still think they could win tonight, and they're going to go and walk out of the locker room, and they're going to think to ourselves, we're probably going to be back in San Francisco for a game six or a game seven. I don't think these guys are going to get too high or too low whatsoever, Coach.
1: It's almost better if they get behind in games. I mean, I say that in, in only half semi-series just because they're so comfortable right now. Their confidence level when they're the underdog. But all of a sudden, if they get up two zero in Detroit, it's going to be a different psychological factor. I could almost see dog. One scenario where the Giants are up two zero and the Tigers take the series four two or four three.
0: I, I do think it's going seven. I mean, so uh, that's why I, I didn't do the whole. Oh, the, the Tigers have to win this game uh, because Justin Verlander is starting, and normally, like we remember, we were talking about that yesterday, where you know, it's typically. You know, the, the, the team with the absolute eighth has to win their ball game in order to win the series. But I don't feel like Detroit has that, even though they do have the best pitcher in this series. I, I, I'm with you on that sense. I don't feel any like it's a bust win for the Tigers tonight because they're down 0-1 and they already pitched Verlander. And, and I'm also like, you know, I don't think the, the, the Giants are feeling like, you know, if we don't, if we, if we don't go up 2-0, and win both of our games at home, we don't have a chance to win this series. So uh, it, it, maybe if there's any series, you don't have to watch the first couple games of it. it it's this one, Coach.
1: Mm-hmm. Doug Fister, Madison Bumgarner. Not exactly a couple of household names, but the pitching matchup for game two. Madison Bumgarner for the Giants going up against Doug Fister. Is there the silent P in the Fister, or is it spelled with an F, Big Doug?
0: No, there is no silent Thank P in the, in the Fister, right. yeah, Which is Pfister,
1: rare, by the way. The- because most he, he, Fisters, most Fisters, as a matter of fact, every Fister I've ever seen, and you know me, I have a an aversion to this the dreaded silent letter, but that's the first Fister, Doug Fister, that I can ever remember that was spelled F I S T E R. Maybe he just got rid of the P.
0: You know, I feel bad because the other day I was working out at East Bank and I met one of the Pritzkers, and I'm yep. like, are you a Pritzker with an F? <laughs> And he's like, no, I'm not a sister with a P, and the guy walked away from me. So I don't think I'll – I don't think I would have been able to personal train that guy uh, for 150 bucks an hour.
1: Too bad. That's a potential source you could have tapped into, Big Dough. A lot of, lot, of, lot of change in the pocket there you you might have messed up on.
0: Please don't say tapped into in the Pritzker family because that's that's basically how all the women have got into the family. Yeah.
1: I hear you. All right, all right. Instead of getting into that, tell us about the pitching. I don't know a whole lot. Most fans don't. Fister. Bumgarner, any advantage here? A couple of untested, uh, at this level anyways, untested, but pretty good pitchers.
0: I wouldn't call Madison Baumgartner untested because he was the hero of the 2010 World Series. So, I, Madison Bumgarner was the guy that the, the Giants decided to put on their 40-man roster like August 31st of 2010. I'm not kidding. It was like that late, and they were like, you know what, this kid's pretty good, and we need another pitcher for the playoffs. And in the 2010 playoffs, he was their best pitcher. Not Lincecum, not Kane. It was Madison Baumgartner. And then Baumgartner has been decent the last two years. And now it's the playoffs again, and Baumgartner has been awesome again. So uh, this is one of those guys that definitely raises up in the playoffs. And, and Doug Fister is this. Doug Fister pitched for the Mariners for a couple of years. They have that massive ballpark, and pretty good defense, and he was bad. And I remember the Tigers traded for him, and I thought to myself, Comerica Park's a lot smaller. Their defense is horrible. Doug Fister's his career is gonna end. I remember thinking that like he's he's gonna be exposed here. And Next thing you know, he gets some run support with some you know instead of pitching for a team like the Mariners, who were the worst run scoring team in the in in baseball since 1981. The last uh, two seasons with Fister was there. They end up you know he gets some run support. And the guy ended up pitching unbelievable now. Doug Fister. This season was one of the top 20 pitchers in the game of baseball. And the fact that that happened after so many years of him sucking in a pitcher's ballpark with a great defensive team coach is kind of shocking to me. And, And it goes to show that sometimes maybe run support and knowing you're going to get runs from your offense is more important than the park you pitch in or the players that are catching the ball behind you.
1: Alright, so a pitching matchup sounds, it almost sounds like you're giving a little, little even-steven between the two of
0: them? There, there's no doubt it's, it's okay. even-steven. Uh, uh, we got Bumgarner, the lefty, and uh, the lefty versus uh, the Tigers, is he's a little bit exposed because Prince Fielder can hit anybody lefty or righty. And Delman Young pounds left-handed pitching. And Delman Young right now is as hot as anybody in either one of the lineups, and I mean, even including Pablo Sandoval, who had three homers last night. So yeah. uh,
1: The problem is uh, yeah. they got to put Delman Young out in the field, and that could be an issue.
0: Uh, coach, Alfonso Soriano has been called by the Tigers, and he's coming in to give fielding <laughs> uh, advice uh, yeah. to Delman Young yeah. in left field.
1: And that's, a, that's an avenue that's been analyzed before, but you and me haven't brought it up on this show. But, of course, the uh, – designated hitter rule, you never know where the advantage lies. But the American League has to adapt to the National League, of course, in the home games. And then uh for the middle three games at Detroit, San Francisco will have to adapt. Sometimes I think it's an advantage for the National League team because all of a sudden you go to the other park and you get to put an extra hitter into your lineup psychologically. That can help.
0: Yeah, you know, it's I totally agree it's an advantage to the National League. And don't forget that. Uh, let's face it. Let's face it. When Justin Verlander is batting for the for the Detroit Tigers, everybody that's a Michigander and a Tiger fan is crossing their fingers. They don't. Either, they don't care if he strikes out, hits into a double play. They just say, "Please don't hurt yourself. Please don't hurt yourself." <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, and then, like uh, Barry Zito comes up against Justin Verlander, and you're like, "Hey, make a little contact, Barry. Maybe you can. Uh, maybe you can get a hit." Well, yeah. you Barry Zito makes a little contact against Justin Verlander, and he gets an RBI single off of the best pitcher in the game of baseball. I don't think Verlander. I don't know, how many Tiger pitchers are going to get a hit? It, it's been proven that American League pitchers in the mm-hmm. World Series since the DH never get any hits, coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, on the other it, hand, it, it, it's a huge advantage for the National League. Let, 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 as a na- I'm a National League fan, I'm a cup fan, and I usually, this year, I'm rooting for the Tigers. But I usually root for the National League in the World Series unless it's the Cardinals in there. And uh, it, let's face it, it's an advantage for the National League, uh, the whole DH situation when it comes to the World Series.
1: Well, as we reverse the curse here, and I'll play devil's advocate, um, there's another angle to look at it, Big Dog, and that is from the aspect of the pitchers. The American League pitchers are used to the nine-hitter lineup. The National League pitchers all season long, and for some of these guys throughout their careers, have had that. You don't want to rest against the opposing team's pitcher, but there clearly is that psychological, the nine spot is an easy out and it kind of helps you as a pitcher. Now, and again, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Uh, you know, now psychologically they don't have that. They got to face nine good hitters. So there's a little disadvantage maybe for the national league pitchers.
0: Just, Just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you have to bring up the, the other side of it. That is the pro side to the American yes. League. The other pro side is uh, to the American League is um, you have uh, in terms of the actual DH, you have a National League guy that's not used to sitting around in between innings yep. and going up and batting four times. Okay, that's that's. that's I think the psychological deal with the pitchers are, is much more of an advantage than the one that we're talking about just there. Mm-hmm. In the National League Park. the American League has a pinch hitter on their bench that's used to sitting on the bench all day and just batting every once in a while. And all of a sudden, you have a guy that probably paid. The DH is one of the highest paid positions in all of baseball, Coach. You've got a guy sitting on your lineup that probably hit 280 with 25 home runs, and he's used to sitting on the bench and swinging every once in a while. So it goes both ways. But when you look at all the different factors, the National League has a slight advantage in the DH pitching situation uh in the world series normally i
1: would have to right, we got a fired up joel redwansky today walking along the river walk as he waxes poetic on the world series here in the two guys in a mic show talkzone.com 888-463-6748 the phone number if you want to check in talk a little baseball with us or as we switch angles and again tomorrow's our football friday where we get down and dirty a little bit but we'll sneak peek at today a little bit dog i know uh you know, you love talking football, and, and, again, you want to check in on the football talk, feel free to do so, 888-463-6748. There's a really, really good slate of college football games this weekend. We already talked about Oklahoma hosting Notre Dame. I think you got, what, Florida, Georgia, uh, Kansas State taking on Texas Tech. We talked about a couple of big, big ten games. Ohio State at Happy Valley, suddenly a big game.
0: And
1: what's the other one, Michigan,
0: Nebraska. Yeah, Michigan goes out to Nebraska. That's so.
1: So it's going to be a, uh, you know, we've had some good Saturdays. This might be the best Saturday of college football yet.
0: Uh, the Pac-12 has a couple decent matchups too this weekend that, uh, that might interest some people. It's, it's not Stanford, Oregon, or USC, you know, in those, but there's, there's a couple good matchups out on the West Coast. And, and Oregon, you know, that, that's they're playing somebody tough this weekend. No, Look, they continue no, to no, blow no, people. No, oh, they're not.
1: Oregon's playing one and six. Colorado.
0: Oh, never mind, never mind. They're going to win that game. Those score seventy that game. This is the Colorado, the worst Colorado, Colorado team that wow. I've ever seen. What
1: they're happened the to the Colorado team. Buffaloes, who used to be a pretty good football program? They have. Uh, I think they're consulting the same football strategist as the O and I fighting Illini are. The
0: uh, Colorado won the national championship in nineteen ninety. Yep. They, they they contended for the national championship a couple times, big 12 championships a couple times, and now they're like legitimately, Coach, I can't see them winning another conference game the rest of the season. I didn't realize that's who they're playing. So maybe it's USC playing somebody tough. There's Whatever, there's one good game out in the Pac-12. But how does Oregon beat everybody by 50 every week, and every week they're one rung lower on the BCS rankings? Have you <laughs> noticed that?
1: Yeah, they've, they've dropped to number four after winning uh... – by 50 points their last two games.
0: It's like, how, how is that. I, but let, let's but What is more impressive? Is it more impressive to go on the road and beat Arizona State uh, 41-10? I think that was the final. It was right in there. It, it wasn't a 50-point win, but it was being a decent Arizona State team by a lot. Or is it like barely eking out a win versus an SEC opponent? At home? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it's I, close. I, I think Oregon's getting screwed the short end of the stick out here. That I, I, I'm sick of everybody. The SEC is the best conference coach. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not an idiot. But people act like it's the, SEC, like the 12th team in the SEC would win every other conference in America. You know, like, it's that good. It's not that different. And if you don't believe me, watch the NFL draft. Would everybody when I, when I talk about the Big 12, Big 10 Pack? Pac-12, they're all equally as represented as the players from the SEC. So I don't know, I'm getting, I, I am, I'll am i be the first one to admit, as someone who loves college football, the SEC is the best. But it, I, how people are overlooking Oregon right now is just dumb. Is it because all these guys that vote go to bed before 8 p.m. on Saturday? Or are, they, are their wives force them to go out? Like, you can't watch football all night, you have to take me out to dinner, because you're going to watch pro football all day and the next day. I mean, how could the how could people be sleeping on Oregon at this point? Tony?
1: Yeah, I don't, when you're ranked fourth in the country, I don't know if people are sleeping but, on But them.
0: they go from second now to third, and then yeah. on fourth, they're slipping. And my point is, they're going in the wrong direction when they're destroying well, their opponent.
1: I think I can speak for some of the voters out there. Actually, I can't, but I will I will anyways and say that it's really not so much an insult to Oregon. I think there's tremendous respect. What it is, is it's a compliment to what Florida's done this season. It's a compliment to what Kansas State. So it's more about K-State and Florida and Notre Dame than it is about any negative with Oregon.
0: Okay, yeah, I, 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 I really hope so. And, and I have no problem with K-State being ahead of Oregon at this point because, to me, that would be one incredible ball game. You have the utmost in flash versus the utmost in fundamentals. I mean, that if Kansas State and Oregon play in a bowl game this year, I'm going to be a very happy college football spectator. I don't know how that could possibly happen, but hopefully we can figure it out by the end of the year, try to get those two teams put together if they're not one and two in the final ranking.
1: I was actually envisioning a potential uh, BCS National Championship game of the Oregon Duck and the Alabama Crimson Tide. That. I think if it came to that, uh, might be one, uh, we've had some good ones, but that might be one of the better national championship matchups we've ever had.
0: Uh, 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 Coach, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that. That would be a, a phenomenal matchup. And, and, you know, it's funny how, like, opinions change on stuff. And, you know, you see a team early that's predicted number one, the number one ranked team in the country. Oh, and they won 50 to nothing. Oh, they must be good. Oh, they're, they're still number one. Then the next week they won 60 to nothing. You know, that's how Alabama's been this year. But finally, watching Alabama play from start to finish after this weekend, there are holes. And yes, if they get a lead on you, a big one, you're done because their pass rush is unbelievable and their offensive line will just flatten you and they'll crush you with a lead. You know, it's one of those teams, but there's holes, coach, where they, they can't throw the ball that well. Like, so if you can somehow stop their run early and make them throw the ball, if if you could slow down their pass rush and make them blitz, their corners are young. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, like it was three weeks ago, Alabama was going to go undefeated and nobody was going to touch them. They're still undefeated, but all of a sudden, at least me, I see ways that Alabama can be beaten as a team. And if there's anybody out there that can do it, it'll be Oregon who, let's us face it, Oregon is going to be able to put 30 points on the board on anybody in the country, including uh, Alabama.
1: Quick test for the big dog here. Quick test for you here. A little college football talk, dog and a coach. Again, tomorrow is a football Friday. We'll make our Beat the Schmoes football picks, talk a lot of Bears in Carolina. Big Dog has called that a must game. I may argue with you a little bit on that, but uh the Tribune today lists their top six quarterbacks in college football Heisman candidates. One linebacker and one running back. Obviously, the linebacker is easy, but uh, let's see how many of the six quarterbacks the dog can get and who. They only list one running back as a contender. Ladies and gentlemen, multiple-choice tests for Mr. Redwansky. Six this quarterbacks. This is
0: not a great college football season for running backs, so uh, I'm going to have to say that they're going with the Lacy kid from uh, from Alabama as their pick. <clears throat> Then it's Lavian Bell from Michigan State.
1: Eh.
0: Well, Marcus Lavador can't be it because he had a horrible game. Nope. Again. Well, I, I, then I could really care less who the running back is. <laughs> 100, 132
1: attempts, 870 yards, 12 touchdowns.
0: Oh, uh, Monte Ball from Wisconsin.
1: No, because he started slow, but he's starting to come on. And it's Monte. They started to call him Monte Ball. I guess he wanted his name change. He had a rough start to the season. The fans started him calling Monty again, and all of a sudden he's in a hot streak. So it is M-O-N, capital T-E-E, if you're a Wisconsin fan, Monty Ball. No, it's the kid out of Oregon. I've never seen him.
0: Oh, okay. The kid that took over for LaMichael James last year. And, yes, this kid's from Compton. Ken John Barner. Yeah, and and, uh, here's the only thing. Do you remember Roshan Salam at, at Colorado who, who basically would him? just get yep. the ball and no one would be around him and he would run? I mean, that's all. They, the guy is, he's a, he's a sprinter playing college football. He's not really a Heisman candidate.
1: Okay,
0: I would not put him as a Heisman candidate. That's six, no, uh, six quarterbacks. Of, uh, four, you should
1: be able to get five out of the six. The six I, I disagree with, but you should be able to get five out of the six. Here we go. Well,
0: uh, Colin Klein is Bing. definitely. That, that, that one is. That one is an obvious. Shows one at over all. at eleven o'clock. Keep going. Do they have McCarron of, uh, of Alabama?
1: That's huh? the one I didn't think you'd get. AJ McCarron from Alabama, shocker. That's two. You should be able to get six for six here.
0: You got you got Murata of uh, Oregon. No. You, why why wouldn't he be there? He's having the a better year than McCarron
1: is. Don't yell at me. Talk to the Tribune.
0: Well, you're the yeah. Well, you're the one you're doing all that stuff to me. What? You're you the one who brought it up. That is wrong because that is probably he's having the best year of any quarterback in the country. Outside of Colin Klein, you got Barkley out at USC. Yep. Everybody everybody knows about him. And then uh, for a Heisman candidate, nobody well, else you, is really don't don't say Driscoll of Florida is in the Heisman consideration. Well,
1: you're, you're missing two obvious ones, here still. So.
0: Two obvious ones.
1: Yeah, ones well, once we've talked about because they're almost the, they've been the two leaders in the Heisman.
0: Oh, oh Geno Smith. Thank you. Well, Colin Klein is the leader now, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm missing one more.
1: Well, you're missing one that could be a little bit tricky, but you're missing one obvious one. He just got injured and he plays in the Big Ten and he's a sophomore.
0: Oh, uh, Braxton Miller. Yeah. I, I brought him up. I brought him like weeks ago. Right. Driscoll from Florida is one of them.
1: Nope. And Florida State's E.J. Manuel is not one of them either. By the way, Florida State, this week, Saturday, takes on Duke. Not basketball, folks. Football, and it's going to be a good game. The Dukies are 6-2, and two, Big Dog, for the first time in recent memory. Florida State, E.J. Manuel and the boys take it on Duke. Could be an interesting game to watch.
0: Who was the head football coach of Duke University the last time they won
1: oh boy.
0: the ACC conference? Wow. Wow. In football. In football, yes, in football. I know David every other, every David Radcliffe is Jonathan.
1: their coach now, right?
0: Yes, that's a good call, coach. I'm glad you remember yeah. that. They,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, boy, I wouldn't even... Whew,
0: the last... You know the name. I do. One of the most famous names currently in college football. Wow, All right.
1: this is a good trivia question here. Last time... Oh, Spurrier.
0: Yeah. yeah. Steve Spurrier. People forget. Steve Spurrier was able to do the fun and gun at, uh, at Duke. And they actually got a share of the ACC championship.
1: And then he went to Florida after that, right?
0: Yes, he went to Florida, and then basically, instead of taking two star players and turning them into a passing attack, he took five star players and yeah. actually had a defense. And instead of beating people forty eight to forty six, he was beating them forty eight yeah. to six.
1: And Duke football <laughs> proceeded to go through two rough decades of of, uh, of playing.
0: Yes, the
1: three. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the sixth, the, the final quarterback, uh, we almost forgot about a little bit. He's a longtime veteran of collegiate football, likely NFL number one draft choice. I already said Matt Barkley. No, nope. Barkley's on there. But he, he fits the Matt Barkley moat. Plays at a high-level high, high uh, level institution, high visibility. Andrew
0: Jones, I forgot about yeah. Andrew Jones. Andrew That's why I forgot about. And, you know, it's easy to forget about Landry Jones because, you know, he got hurt in the last year, and and as soon as Oklahoma lost, you knew they were out of the, the national title race. And uh, Landry Jones is extremely good quarterback. Out of all the guys that we, that we just said, I think Landry Jones has the best chance of being a professional quarterback coach, uh-huh. a, a good NFL quarterback uh-huh. of all the ones we just said. Alan Clyde's my favorite, and he has the least chance of being an NFL quarterback.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Landry Jones, we got some NFL scouts that listen to this particular show. Landry Jones just might have moved up the charts, courtesy of the analysis of uh, the big dog. Uh, Notre Dame at Oklahoma Dog. Speaking of Landry Jones, I know tomorrow's a football Friday. It might be one of your Beat the Schmoes picks, but just as a tease, you got any any feeling this way? It's going to be a wild scene in Norman, Oklahoma. Huh?
0: I'm assuming Oklahoma's a two and a half point favorite,
1: right? You know, I'm gonna look at that. That sounds about right. But uh, let's
0: see. I, 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 this has been a magical year for Notre Dame, I and mean, I, I, I think they're gonna, they're gonna end up winning this game extremely ugly. It's gonna be like some ridiculous score, like fifteen to eleven or twelve to nine, Coach. There's that's gonna be it's gonna be. A, Oklahoma's got a very good defense. Like Oklahoma always tends to have a very good defense. And Notre Dame, their whole philosophy on offense is don't make a mistake.
1: So, so you're picking, you're picking Notre Dame to win it?
0: I, I yes, if, I, I think Notre okay. Dame's going to win that football game. All right, here's a shocker.
1: I am absolutely shocked and appalled. Shock and all, app- folks, here. Are you ready for this? It's at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, big dog. 11 point favorite.
0: Wow. Um, you still... and I know this. I, I don't know if you know this, but I know this. Notre Dame typically has way too much money bet on them, and if you bet against Notre Dame, you you win a lot of money. Even when they win, they don't usually cover the spread. I'm shocked, coach. Shocked. I, I, it's not that is that big of a deal. It's that big of a difference? Eleven point favorite.
1: I think what it is uh, apparently, uh, you know Notre Dame. It's, it sounds weird because Notre Dame is the, you know the aura of institution in football, but. They've been down for a little bit. I think there's still some betters out there, some people out there, the Vegas folks that aren't sold yet on Notre Dame football. Oklahoma's tradition of recent, much more powerful. I think that's playing into the spread. People don't believe in Notre Dame yet.
0: Well, that's got to be it. Well, there's no other way to explain it besides that. And and an
1: unsettled quarterback position. That probably plays into it, too. But, yeah, I would have guessed about three or four points as well. But oh my
0: God, that that's surprising, coach. And, and I was and I was about to say it'll be three, two and a half, three Oklahoma's favorite, But really, Oklahoma should be like a six-point favorite. But just because of all the Notre Dame love, wow! I'm eleven points. I'm, I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. So basically, it should be fourteen points. <laughs> is what? Is what I'm thinking about taking Oklahoma out of all of a sudden, coach.
1: Might be the right
0: bet. Might be the right bet.
1: 888 463 the phone number here if you want to check in. We'll talk a little college football. Dog and the coach here. Football Friday tomorrow. Sounds like that wind is picking up out there, Big Dub. Uh, be careful. Yeah, eh? I'm
0: trying to get into a spot that uh, doesn't hurt the uh, yeah, whatever. Right.
1: Don't get too close to the river. I don't want uh, one big gust blowing you in. I need a co-host for next week. Um, speaking of shock. Got to throw out, uh, just to see what your comments are on the Donald Trump uh, offer. I guess you could gently put it, a $5 million to Barack Obama. You're aware aware of this?
0: Yeah, it's about time somebody did it. Let's find out where our president actually was born in. in. Why why is this a problem? Why do we have to do this at this point for a guy that's already an elected official? Shouldn't we have already known this? I mean, I know the Democratic Party is trying to do whatever they can to, to the story since before they even tried <laughs> to get him as a nominee for president, but this is, it, it, I've never understood why the whole people surrounding Barack Obama are so secretive about where he's from and well, not. all this other stuff.
1: They're not. First of all, this is not no, about no, no, per- You
0: say they're not, you say they're not because you just blindly follow the guy because you're afraid to admit he made a mistake that he's the worst president we've had in I don't know how many years or how many presidents, okay, you so, say? You're just you're just a flying Barack Obama supporter, okay? Nope. None of, it, it's still up in the air where this guy was born and where he was in certain times nope. in his life. The, uh, so Donald Trump's no, yeah, offer. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure MSNBC will do a great story about where Barack Obama grew up on the south side of Chicago and
1: Doug, Donald Trump's offer has nothing to do with the, the birth certificate. That's already been proven. What he wants to see is the college records. From Harvard and from Occidental College and something about the passport as to what, you know, where he's gone out of the country or when he's visited. So you're off number one by the fact that it has nothing to do. That's already been proven that he was born here. But, uh, and, and see, when you say secretive, no other president, I don't think, no other president has given up all of their college, uh, records. So it's, wouldn't it wouldn't be like Barack Obama is the first one. And I don't know, what, what do they expect? What is Donald Trump expecting to see from his Harvard and Occidental record? What, that no, he I got bad more, it's grades?
0: More the, it's more of the passport and, like, why he's hanging out, like, with Tony Resco, like, family members, you know, in different parts of the world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what has more to do with it.
1: Yeah. And by the way, I think Barack Obama's been, uh, there's many, a number of things I'm still upset with him about, so I don't blindly follow him. But uh, while everybody said it's been four horrible, horrible years, he's accomplished a lot of good stuff. I'm proud of him as president. Again, things I disagree with, I wish he would have done more. But overall, I think he's one of the better presidents we've ever had. Thank you.
0: Uh, what?
1: Better? Yeah. One of the better oh, presidents. Yeah, that, that, Why that, are people so shocked when we said bad. Huh?
0: that? Huh? That, if, if you notice, there have been more laws added to take away from our freedom over the last four years, and even during the, the, the Bush administration. This country is going towards, like, uh, it, I. far too many things have been passed where government is more into our lives. Wish I okay? had the George... And over the last four years, it's just more, oh, guess what? They're telling us more stuff what to do. And, and we have uh, now we have, in the future, when uh. Uh, people are deciding what we need to do, whether or not we should add more government. They'll, they'll refer back to 2012 when they said it was okay that... Uh, uh, basically socialized medicine was passed. Yeah. And, uh, something else socialized will be I got, I
1: got my thumb it's and forefinger to...
0: Adding and adding and adding on. Got Why can't th- we just have a president that comes out and says, you know what, uh, I... It's the government. It's not the government's job to do everything for everybody, so why don't we expect you to do it? Ah, I, Mitt Doug, Romney I, won't do it either. Right. Mitt Romney will show it, will do not as much as he should in that regard.
1: I got my thumb and forefinger uh, rubbing together, Big dog, I'm playing the small violin for you. I wish I had the whole obituary of George McGovern uh, after he passed away because it had one of his uh, quotes that he kind of lived by or little philosophies that he lived by. I don't, can't remember the whole thing, but one of the major lines is it, of of One of the purposes of government is to help the less fortunate. And a lot of these things that you're complaining about, oh, government control, is simply government. And I'm not saying government doesn't go too far. You've got a point. But most of these regulations are put in so that government helps to protect the less fortunate, the little guy, those without a voice. And that's Uh exactly what it is meant to do, and that's exactly
0: what it should do. Okay, okay. So, Mister Smarty Pants, making fun of me with the whole world's smallest violent, Then, why has the amount of impoverished people increased dramatically over the last four years? Because because Barack Obama is trying to build his constituency. Because the more dumb and poor people there are, the uh, more people are probably more. Because we had the greatest economic
1: downturn since the, the great Great Depression four years ago.
0: That's and, why. And, and what does That's he do? why. And what does he do? Uh, th- thank you very much. So we have the second voice that comes in, and always, you know, so you can always.
1: Oh! Did the phone go out or did he hang up on us? He hung up. He hung up?
0: He hung wow.
1: up. Wow, that's the first time he's ever done that. That was an intentional hang up. Holy mackerel. Come on folks, we got to talk politics without uh without getting that upset. Open discussion. A little open discussion the dog. Off the lines. Hard to believe. Huh? Eh. Come on. Why can't we all just It's, it's a ridiculous assertion to say that there are more people in poverty, yeah, well, that's poverty what the Republicans are saying because of his policies. Right. It's just, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's I mean, not true. Yeah. To say, to say, I mean, it is true that more people are on it and we can, we can break down the reasons, but to say any Republican, anybody that says Barack Obama and his crew purposely, purposely want people on food stamps and purposely to get more poor and not be educated so that they're going to get more votes, that I would take a strong affront to. Big Dog, I was worried you hung up on us.
0: Whenever I hear all you liberals, I like how you always have the voice from God always coming in, is to get the opinion as you get the last word. Uh, It's flat out. If the economy was so bad and it was all uh, Bush's fault, and by the way, I I do will back that, but you guys, never. I don't want to go and start with that because I'm not a Bush fan either. If the economy was so bad, then why is he trying to force socialized medicine down our throat? If it was so bad, why did you do something about it? No, increased deficits and it gets worse and worse. So, uh, I'm just—you can't use that. You guys, all you liberals use that, but you can't, okay? Because if it really mattered, maybe he would have done something about it. But no, it's let's shove socialized medicine down. Let's make sure all the stuff that has nothing to do with our economy. Let's focus on that stuff. If he was such a great president and was so good for the economy and everybody in the poor people, maybe unemployment would have been dropped below 8% up until last month. Why would we have to have four different quanti- quanti- uh, quantitative easings over the last three years to decrease the value of money? Uh, why? Okay, every time it's before uh, one of the elections to make sure that the economy doesn't look that bad right before election, I guarantee you probably... It's just—it's just ridiculous. You guys can't say anymore that the economy was bad when he came in because it's been four years now.
1: Yeah. Well, but you can't. It wouldn't have mattered who the president was when you hit a downturn like that, big dog. The economy's gonna go bad.
0: Okay. So the point is, if he was such a good president, why is he focusing on socialized medicine at that that's, point? That's—that's
1: the part I don't understand. Why is passing a national health care? What does that have to do?
0: Okay. No, but hold on. Hold on. I—I I said the fact that. The, how bad the economy's been for four years. And, right. And, that, uh, and then you guys were like, well, it was bad when he got there. Well, <laughs> it's been... No, no, years. no, big dog. Yeah, big he dog, he the point, the point, the point he was... Wise. He was the one that, hold on, hold on. There's two of you and one of me, and it's always like that. I'm sick of that bullshit, okay? It's always, I <laughs> say, no, I just looked this up, and it's wrong. Like, I don't have that, okay? You, you guys have that. It's always two against one, constantly.
1: Go ahead, David. Nope. Oh. The point. The, 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 the point was it wasn't that. The point was that there's so many people on government benefits due to the fact of the, uh, the economic downturn. That's why, not because his policies are putting them there. That's the. That's the point. And why does passing a national health care is that? Why is that?
0: So it is. Uh, one day, maybe you you're never going to understand. Okay, you're never going to understand. This is not to help poor people. It's to make sure that people who got Barack Obama elected, okay, will be now in control of where money goes when people are sick. I I know know you guys are all fooled by him smiling and waving and saying things like hope and change, but you know what? Billionaires got him elected, and billionaires are keeping him in office, and he's beholden to those people he could care less about the less and unfortunate, and the less than unfortunate love him because he smiles and he's a down-to-earth president and he always says the right thing and he knows who's in the now, world series you, and all this other stuff. But in it, the whole scheme of the thing, whenever all this stuff is passed and people are like, oh, it, it's socialized Medicare. It's better for everybody. No, it's not. It's going to give people less choices. It's going to it's going to give people a lot other different stuff.
1: I think if you look at policies and what programs they support – you will see that the policies and the programs they support, Barack Obama's policies and programs he support, are more favorable to middle class and lower class than the policies and programs supported by the Republicans. Period.
0: Well, so, I'm not a Republican. So I, you don't, don't even bring the Republicans up to me. Okay. Yeah. You gonna vote Libertarian, by the way? Um, across the board, except for. Is that uh, Joel Stein? Is no, she the no, Libertarian? Across the board, except for president. Because uh, on the day of the election, since I don't have to bring my, uh, since I don't have to actually bring a license or identification, (laughs) I'm actually going to go around to the different neighborhoods in the city of Chicago, and I'm going to vote for Mitt Romney as many times as (laughs) possible. I'm going to go to Chinatown, and when that does that, okay, who are you? I'm going to say, I'm Lee Kim. Uh, Lee Kim? (laughs) Yeah, I'm Lee Kim. I live on 25th Street. Okay, here, Mr. Kim. Okay, and then yeah. I'm gonna go down the street I'm gonna say I'm Javier Vasquez. You don't go like Javier Vasquez, what do you expect me to show my ID? No, we don't, Mr. Vasquez, and I'm gonna that's gonna go around. I'm gonna so I'm gonna actually sway Illinois. Thank goodness that we don't have to show our IDs anymore because you know, you have to show your ID to buy cigarettes, uh, driver's license, I mean drive everything. Whether you want to get liquor, but if you have to vote in America, you don't have to show your ID. So I'm gonna just in Illinois I'm gonna vote for Mitt Romney.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have run out of time. Big Dog gets the last word here. Uh, Dog, tomorrow's a football Friday, my friend. Get those beat the schmoes football pick. We didn't talk any pro football. we got to break down the Bear and the Panther. Uh, pretty good game coming up at 12 o'clock Sunday. So football Friday tomorrow, all right?
0: Yeah, by the way, nobody seemed to notice that Barack Obama's passed a law that said in times of emergency that the government can confiscate anybody's, any personal man, any private Property in America. Nobody's going to notice that, though. Okay. Have a nice day, everybody.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. On that note, on that note, we end yet another award winning show here <laughs> in the two guys in a MikeTalkZone.com. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. You never know what you get out of the big dog. It's part of the beauty, part of the excitement of this particular show. Have a great day, everybody. If you're in Chicago, enjoy this last. Not even a full day. It's good to turn ugly today. Last five or six hours of uh, Indian summer and then get ready to hunker down for about six months of winter. Here's your feel-good thought for the day. See you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.